It takes more than highly optimized assembly code to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 76. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. You threw me for a loop there. <laughs> I didn't expect that. It's good that it takes more than highly optimized assembly code because, yeah, if that's all it takes, then I'm I'm not good. <laughs> I've got some learning to do. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, I, I trust that the people who built the dynamic language runtime that I write in compiled that mm -hmm. dynamic language runtime from C with some optimization flags. Yep. So theoretically, I am writing highly optimized assembly code. Well, uh, maybe your maybe your code gets jitted into highly optimized assembly code occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. There you go. And it take, so it does take more than that to be a great engineer, though. <laughs> it also takes soft skills. Okay, okay. Ooh, I, th I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> it also takes the ability to deadlift 500 pounds. <laughs> That's why this is now a workout podcast. <laughs> we're pivoting <laughs> to nutrition supplements and weightlifting. <laughs> yes, supplements. We will supplement the testosterone in your body <laughs> with more more testosterone <laughs> that we took from this horse <laughs> oh all right do you want to read us our first question oh i should describe what this podcast actually is oh my though. bad soft skills engineering is a podcast where we take your questions about non-technical stuff uh, about technical fields like software development and assembly um, and also horse tranquilizers <laughs> that make you get real buff <laughs> <laughs> okay now which smoothly segues into our first question <laughs> totally so smooth hi dave and jameson my organization requires me to set goals for myself every year and i usually struggle with writing clear and measurable goals what advice do you have for writing good technical and non-technical goals love the podcast love you too anonymous well it sounds like the main goal has been achieved which is a general feeling of love <laughs> um, for humanity our podcast included <laughs> all right i don't really do goals one of my goals is to someday be the kind of person who has very <laughs> very uh, like measurable specific goals and mm -hmm. achieves them mm -hmm. i but hope by the age of like 55 i'll turn into a type a person okay <laughs> metamorphosis <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> what is your personality type now uh Type fuchsia. That's what I would call it. So you're going to wrap yourself in a fuchsia cocoon and then spring forth as a I type A goal writer. Yeah, yeah. I, I do write goals. This is a leftover tradition from when I was a little kid. We would all gather around every New Year's Eve and write goals. And there were you had to write them in like four categories, physical, mental, social, and like emotional, spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I still do that, and then I just like promptly fold the card that I write them on into a paper airplane and throw it into a <laughs> volcano. Um, <laughs> but you still do that every year, huh? Like a, a January first tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even remember what they were. I think one of them was to like become six five, <laughs> uh, fly a fighter jet <laughs> through the sun. That was your emotional <laughs> goal. Yeah. <laughs> It would be a spiritual experience, I guess, if you could do that. It would be celestial. I, I imagine being 6'5 <laughs> is a powerful spiritual experience. 
towering over you just, everyone. You're just closer to heaven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so all that to say, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe Dave can teach me how. Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> hate writing annual goals for my employer. Hate it. I haven't done I, that. I've in a never while. had to do that, by oh. the way, in a job, in a professional setting. I had to do it at a company, jeez, oh, like 10 years ago. Oh, man, I just hated it because it was like, I can't even see three months into the future, let alone 12 months, you know? Yeah. So were they just a hoop you had to jump through? Pretty much. It was like part of your annual review process was to write out goals at the beginning of the year and then your... And look at them at the end. Yeah, your performance appraisal was based on how well you had delivered on those goals. But of course... (laughs) Would you ever walk into a review and be like, oh, yeah. You mean every year. (laughs) (laughs) and it was like it got to the point where it was like oh yeah i wrote that goal and then six weeks later we totally pivoted and that goal became obsolete yeah that that product line was discontinued (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna ship i guess i failed my goal yeah exactly and it's like what a just what a waste of time at least for me at that point in my life and maybe i just didn't know how to write good goals but oh man i hated it yeah yeah, I, I don't feel like goals are the way I interact with the world and move through it. I, I, I think I have accomplished some stuff. I mean, I, and and I most of it has not been goal driven. There's just stuff I've wanted to do, and sometimes I do it, and sometimes I don't. So but, you're just walking through the world, responding to pain, pain and pleasure stimuli. Yeah, basically, that's the fuchsia life. It's like I put my hand on the stove; that hurts. I'm gonna set a goal to not put my hand on the stove anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna put my hand on the stove until it doesn't hurt and develop my <laughs> superpower of not getting burnt. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so I I run a conference, and I I guess I had like a goal of wanting to start. What makes it a goal hey, though? I just wanted to start yeah. a conference, and then I. Did. Well, at some point, you had to put something pretty measurable on that. You had to choose a venue which had a certain number of seats, and you had to sell tickets, and you wanted to sell a certain number of tickets, and yeah, you wanted I, to invite speakers. I just didn't look at it and... through the framework of a goal, though. It was just a thing I wanted to do, yeah. and I sat and wanted to do it for a while, and then like then you things did it. lined up. I, yeah, I found a person to do it with, and then we did it. I think you could paint that story with a, a, a goal-shaped paintbrush. I didn't have like a vision board on my wall or anything. I don't know. I I think the word goal makes me think of um, more measurable plans and and like some degree of specificity that is generally absent from <laughs> my approach to life. From your whole life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you have written them down somewhere. They have dates associated with them. You Maybe you broke them down into steps. Uh, you mm-hmm. review them regularly. I, I think I just have obsessions and things I don't do. Those are the two <laughs> two ways I do it. So you just reminded me of a story from my teenage life, which I think at the time I thought was really stupid, but now I'm starting to see some wisdom in it. Does it involve cruising for babes on Main Street? No, but it does involve a celebrity. Oh, cool. I was a, a golf club boy. like a, uh, Like I cleaned rich guys' golf clubs after they got off the golf course. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was at a country club, so, you know. Yeah. And uh, one day, I was 15, so this is over 20 years ago. No, I wasn't 15. I must have been 17. It doesn't matter. It was over 20 years ago. One day, Matthew McConaughey came through. Whoa. uh, Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. 
Actually, I don't yeah. think he was much of a big deal back then. That but yeah, he years. wasn't back then. He was like a rom-com kind of star. <laughs> he was in a sci-fi movie that I had recently th- seen. I think it was called Contact with uh, Jodie Foster. Anyway, this is going pretty far back now for you youngsters. <laughs> so I walked up to him and I gave him my hat and I said, hey, Mr. McConaughey, I loved you in that movie. Would you sign my hat? And he was like, sure thing. I'm trying to do my Matthew McConaughey <laughs> accent. That was really good. <laughs> he kind of has a southern accent, right? Sure, S- sure thing. Yeah. Sure thing, fella. So Yeah, he's like Elvis. Yeah, yeah you, you nailed him. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave him my marker and he wrote on there, uh, Dear Dave, just keep on living, Matthew McConaughey. And I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I just realized? He just described your whole approach to goals. He should Yeah, he sh- that's He should have addressed oh, that hat to was, you. Okay, that's from a movie you could not have seen because you were too young for its rated R rating. <laughs> but that's from Isn't that from Dazed and Confused? Bruh, who knows. Was he in that movie? I've heard him say it again though, recently. I think I I think he said it in an award ceremony recently that I listened to. He has kept living. He has. And it has worked out well. It's a good goal. Just keep on living. Eventually, you will be unable to fulfill that goal. Yeah. So it might not be the best goal forever. (laughs) My goal is to live forever. (laughs) Just keep on living. (laughs) And I have set a date by which I will live forever. (laughs) There's like the tactical thing of how do you deal with setting professional goals in this environment where they will in some way affect your evaluation. Mm -hmm. And did you ever figure out how to do that because it sounds like you had some frustrating experiences i figured it out did did you ever figure out i mean this might even be like gaming the system not necessarily that's exactly what it was (laughs) how do you game this system then you contrary to what everyone says a good goal should be you make it as ambiguous (laughs) and easily achievable as possible (laughs) so that at the end of the year you can say objectively i nailed that <laughs> no matter what happens <laughs> and i did that i did that for several years where and in fact my can you give me an example oh geez like a redacted example i, I don't know it was like help new people on the team ramp up hmm. you know and it's like i knew we had a few new people and i spent some time with them and it's like check mark done i i imagine that was a thing that you liked and would have done anyway exactly. just from what i know about exactly. you exactly so okay I don't know. I actually can't remember any of the details, but my manager was in on it with me because he hated this. He hated the system too. And he was, he told me, he's like, look, just make these as achievable as possible so that at the end of the year, we don't have a, an awkward situation. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know what else? Continue working at company. X. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else is funny? Um, I, I remember doing this one year. I wrote all these goals. I took it pretty seriously. And then Midway through the year, they like redid the goal system. So like all my goals were obsolete because they didn't conform to the new guidelines. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is just case in point for why I don't like to write these long-term 12-month goals for my boss. Yeah. But if you must, if you must write goals, and I'm going to guess you're in a big company that uh, uses these goals for some nefarious purpose, maybe stack ranking. (laughs) Um (laughs) If you must write them, try to figure out who the audience is for these goals 
And it might be that they are a tool that your boss uses to defend your continued existence at the job or to defend giving you a raise. And if so, figure out what ammo your boss needs to have so that he or she can make the best case possible for you. And, you know, at some companies, you'll be able to get away with some pretty crazy, ambiguous stuff. Uh, but at other companies, you'll have to be very specific and clear. So you have to figure that out. And, and I would treat this just like a system. Treat it the way I treated all my high school classes, which was figure out what I need to do to get the grade. <laughs> and, and the learning is, is a happy byproduct if it happens, but not required. <laughs> this, stuff, uh, this stuff makes me so sad because clearly this system was put in place as a way to help people get stuff done. And there's, mm -hmm. I, I think there are probably benevolent motivations behind it, but it Absolutely. just immediately has dissolved into this like political mm -hmm. hoop you have to jump through. Absolutely. And it, it seems like that for everything. I don't know. Now, if, I would I, say this, as much as I dislike these individual goals, I really like organizational goals that apply to a whole team or the whole company where leadership says something like, we want to hit this sales target for the year. I think that's fantastic. Everyone can rally together and support that goal and get it done. Or you, something like, you know, we want our software to perform better. We want our users to have a better experience in this measurable way by this certain date. That's good stuff. I love that. And I think that's yeah. a wonderful way to drive your organization and team. But to have an individual have their own set of goals that are somehow related to the company goals, but not really because it's about your individual development. That's so much harder to do. I mean, your individual needs will change and the company will change out from under you. So I, I'm just not a huge fan. Yeah. If you're worried about the company changing out from under you, you might kind of take Dave's approach of making the very broad and, and fuzzy. Um, you might take that approach with some longer term goals, but if you're making goals, uh, you could say like probably for the next two months this project i'm working on isn't going to die mm -hmm. um so so you can maybe make a more specific technical goal about shorter term things and then just i don't know it, you, you have more certainty that you'll be around and able to meet those because it'll happen sooner but then what about so the if other you want to if you want to sprinkle in some technical or or uh like more concrete goals just make sure they're on a shorter timeline i guess that's true and then never mind the fact that your goal only applies to like two months out of the 12 in a year. Yeah, well, so so then you have like, I helped the new team members throughout the year. And also in January, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I lowered the payload size of our software by 10% or whatever before that software product was discontinued. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> yep. So good luck. Have we, we answered are... it? No, I think we did a terrible job at this one, but <laughs> I think we just like kind of we're like we 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 like took our ball and went home from this question. <laughs> yep. Like this question's dumb. You shouldn't do this. Uh, here's all these reasons why. Uh, Good luck. Completely unhelpful. <laughs> maybe some of our other yeah. listeners have had a better experience setting individual goals for their company, or maybe you've had a terrible experience and you'd like to share it. Either way, we'd like to hear from you. Um, go hit us up. I, I know there are people that set individual goals for themselves and achieve them. Um, and they're called all my bosses. <laughs> no, they're, they're all like high performing people. Like I, I know I'm thinking of specific people. So a lot of this is personality style also. Mm -hmm. And um, how do I say this? Oftentimes those kind of people are the ones that will set policies for the organization because oh. that really helps them and it helps them be productive and achieve a lot. And so clearly it will help everyone. 
and and then now people who might not necessarily thrive based off of setting individual measurable goals are kind of encouraged to because that's what the ceo does and it works for them that is very insightful jameson oh thank you i mean really so you're basically saying that we have this goal culture sometimes because the people who are na- who naturally rise to these leadership positions are goal-driven people so often hmm i got to i gotta go rethink my life now again doesn't help you best of luck <laughs> all right but, i mean also there i'm sure there are yeah there's people there are people that could have good feedback absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> they just aren't us. not me <laughs> yeah oh man okay should i read the next question yes hopefully this one is a question that we can answer oh probably not <laughs> okay okay this comes from an anonymous listener as well it says there are two leaders in our company that hold rather high managing tech leading positions they are generally nice guys except when a failure happens and they start cracking jokes when we have a technical issue sometimes they say things like Hey, how can we fix this? Let's fire someone. Or, hey, are those developers still in the office? Yeah, let's put them out of their misery and finish them right here. (laughs) Gesturing with his hand, shaped like a gun. Okay, uh, that's murder. Yeah. (laughs) You you have fired them from life. Yeah, that's that's not within (laughs) your uh, stewardship as a technical lead, turns out. Yeah. Okay, let me keep reading. Even though they are jokey and are not directed to anyone personally, I still feel demotivated, like disposable garbage that can be easily replaced. I know I should not take it seriously, but as long as I'm not comfortable with that, I've started thinking about what I can do here. I only have two ideas. One, approach them personally and calmly explain how I feel about their jokes. Or two, approach the head of HR. I've never had any similar experience, so I'm unaware of possible consequences of any of these actions and whether they will change anything or not. Whew. Ouch. Well, that stinks it really does i'm just gonna say it's almost not like i'm thinking of all these funny jokes i could say (laughs) and i'm just like i don't even want to joke about it it really is just kind of gross yeah especially if it's when people make mistakes because that's when people are worried about being fired Mm -hmm. that's when that's when people feel low and then making jokes about it's i mean it's very possible that uh that feeling of being replaceable is something they're deliberately trying to encourage to kind of like crack the whip. Hmm. Some people think that that's a good way to motivate people is kind of fear and I don't know, power Stick like that. instead of carrot. Yeah, yeah, like don't screw up or you'll get fired. That's kind of the subtext under here Yeah, that they could be trying to put out or they could just be incredibly clueless. That, that's I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they are fun-loving, jokey fellas who are also clueless. Yeah. And I think it's something that many leaders can easily fall into because things that are obviously a joke to you as the leader in your nice comfy throne, you know, are not so crystal clear as jokes to the people you're saying them to, right? Hmm. Um, yeah, I have, so I actually have a story kind of about that. I worked with someone, uh, so there were two people, there was the the boss and there was a colleague and this was at a startup, so there's always uncertainty at startups. And the boss was very open about the uncertainty. There would be uh, a lot of detail about kind of finances and um, more than I've seen in other places, which made me feel good because I felt like I had a lot of insight into how the company was actually doing. Um, the boss would also sometimes make jokes about like, 
oh, it's so crazy here. Who knows? We might not have jobs in a month. Oh, or like, I don't mm-hmm. know, just like very casual off the cuff things. But from knowing them and also knowing the, the finances, I was un, completely unfazed by these jokes. But my colleague was very phased, <laughs> so much so that they ended up quitting and working at a, a, a different, larger, more stable company, wow. partially because they were so sensitive to this feeling of instability. Even though I, I don't think it was actually that unstable, it was just they were so concerned about it that they were willing to quit their job and get a different one to to feel more stable. Wow. And it it was totally accidental but but it happens so that's kind of an example of the negative consequences of joking about things and not understanding how how your employees feel about them. wow do, do you think the boss in this situation knew that his or her words had had this effect <sighs> i don't know actually i'm not sure wow so yeah, like that's that's a fantastic example, and and it's not like in this case the boss was even joking about firing people, right? The boss was just joking about silly financial things that weren't. Yeah, and I think it came from a good place of wanting to be open and wanting to share information mm-hmm. with people, mm-hmm. but it just some people were like, "Ha, good." Well, they weren't funny, but it was <laughs> like, "Oh, you yuckster," and then some people were like. Will I be able to feed my family? Right. Oh, no. Right. So I think that is a great uh, cautionary tale for the two bosses, the two leadership people in this story from this listener because, oh, man, joking about firing people and killing people, that's just, in my opinion, totally inappropriate. And my advice to you would be to tread cautiously here, but... If I if I could safely assume that these people are reasonable, mentally healthy, and pretty rational, then I would go talk to them about it in private. Probably one-on-one, not the both of them at the same time. Oh, well, yeah. maybe both. I don't know. It depends on how much of a mob mentality they get when they're together, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would tell them, I would just say with very specific examples, when you said that... It makes me feel uncomfortable. And I know you're joking, but I still feel uncomfortable. And I don't think you should. I would I would appreciate it if you didn't joke like that. Have you ever heard the phrase, there's a kernel of truth to every joke? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's true in this case that maybe they do actually feel like this? I, I could. I think it could go both ways. So having been in a position where I was involved in firings, I never joked about it, first of all. At least I never intended to. Hopefully I didn't. <laughs> but if I did, it would not be because there's a kernel of truth. Because let me just tell you, that kernel of truth is such a scary proposition as the manager who has to actually do the firing that there's no way I would want to joke about it. Even a nervous joke. It's, yeah. it's just no way. So in my experience, no. I mean, if you're joking about it, it's a pretty good sign that it's actually not on the table. And in fact, it's so far from the table that uh, these people feel comfortable joking about it. Hmm. That's what I think. Yeah. And that's for me. I'm a very jokey guy. You know, I do a lot of laughing and joking. Most of them are puns. (laughs) (laughs) So So nobody else laughs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know you enough to imagine that, uh, that firing someone would be 
um, emotionally difficult for you. And that's part of why you wouldn't want to joke about it is because it, it'd be painful. I mean, yeah, for you, yeah. for the person who's fired, obviously, but you would not enjoy it. Right. I can see people who are a little more passionless or mm. uh, don't have relationships or don't care or care more about the company than the people that they're working with okay. who wouldn't see firing as that big of a deal. Yeah. If there's a lot of yeah. turnover or I don't know. Or they're psychopaths, or <laughs> or they've just become they've become numb to it because they've done it enough times. Yeah, that maybe it really isn't that. Like if if they have a lot of yeah, if they fire a hundred people a year, then their firing muscle is real strong, <laughs> and then maybe it is a jokey thing to them. I don't know. I was going to ask what you thought about the suggestion to approach the head of HR. Um. I would only go there as a last resort. And I I might even, in this case, I might even quit before I go to HR. Yeah. I just, what what's going to happen there? You try to take it, what would be the next step? You go to HR, you complain about it. And if HR is going to actually do something about it, they're just going to sit you down in the same room together or they're going to go talk to them on your behalf. Maybe anonymously, but maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that that just... It sounds like you're giving up a lot of control. I have never, ever heard an experience where someone has went to talk to HR and it's ended up working out for them. And every like tech workplace scandal I've ever read about that involves HR has has made them seem pretty non-helpful and sometimes pretty actively harmful. That's pretty sad, actually, when you think about it. Um, yeah. It's like the maybe, I mean, maybe it's what they're supposed to do. Maybe it's some kind of bias where you don't hear about the good things and yeah. the, the salacious stuff gets reported on but yeah it doesn't make a good tweet hey i complained to hr about my boss and everything's great now <laughs> yeah but it it sounds pretty resoundingly awful <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that they generally side with the company they want to smooth things over they they don't want to solve the problem they want to um not create waves and also make sure no one gets sued that's a good point. Hmm. That's interesting. You know, I've known some pretty good HR people, and I would trust them with this. Uh, yeah, I would. I know I've known a few. Um, but it's again, you're still introducing a new variable. You just don't know what that HR person is going to do. Yeah, and you also don't know they they're they could be good people, but you don't know what their mandate is. Exactly. I mean. They might be trapped yeah. in a pretty unhealthy incentive system. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this is a bummer question. <laughs> okay, so here, I got a better idea. It's a bummer situation. Okay. Next time there's like a management mistake or something, you put your hand in the shape of a gun <laughs> <laughs> and you say, let's go put management out of their misery. <laughs> uh. Fight fire with fire. Get it? Get it? It's <laughs> hilarious. <sighs> yeah. I don't think this is okay to joke about. Dang it. I think. <laughs> oh, no. Well, obviously, everything's okay for us to joke about. I think these two people are wrong to joke about it. I hope talking to them works it out. Uh, it's possible it won't, though. Mm -hmm. And then you just got to think, uh, I don't know. Can I get him fired and take over for him and change the culture? Or do I need to go somewhere else? Or can I just put up with this culture? Yeah, yeah. This culture should not exist. But because of 
circumstances you might have to work there if, if it's hard to get a different yeah, job yeah. or hard to move or whatever absolutely but i i would talk to them about it and in my experience most people are pretty reasonable and when you tell them that you feel uncomfortable when they do something they'll stop especially in management and i know well okay that may have been that may have been over the top but having if someone came <laughs> <laughs> over generalizing if someone came to me as a manager and said it makes me uncomfortable when you do this i would i would be so grateful that they came to me and i would completely stop and put in place some kind of mechanism to make sure that I didn't repeat that. Absolutely. Like a dog collar? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little shock button. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you make the gun finger yeah. sign. It automatically shocks me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you felt strongly enough about this to write into our show, chances are other people do too. And I know from, a, from experience, and I think every developer knows, that in order to do your best work, you need to be able to focus on the job and not be worried about these super uncomfortable things that really kind of go back to basic survival, right? If you feel like your job is threatened and you're worried about that, you're not going to be able to perform your best to be able to build the products your company needs. So it might you might really be doing a bunch of people a favor, but I would not go and talk to your coworkers about this. I would instead go straight to the boss, talk to them about it, the person who's the instigator. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's a lesson here for every leader. Don't joke about firing. It's it's just not funny. It might seem funny to you, and that's fine. That's your perspective. I promise you it's just not funny to the people you're joking about it with, even if they're super comfortable with it. If you're in a subordinate manager relationship and you're the manager, you just can't do it. It's off limits. Yeah, it's not going to take the edge off this touchy subject. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Have we answered the question? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I just okay. I feel really bad for this for this listener. It's a tough situation. This is a hard situation. Yeah. Best of luck to you. Yes. What can people do if they would like their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio. At the top of the page is a little link that says ask a question. Fill out your form. You can be anonymous if you want, or you can give us a bunch of contact information. And we would love to hear your questions. Um, thank you so much to those who have written in. Sorry we haven't gotten to all of them. Also, if you have a comment you'd like to make um, about this show or any show, please use that same form. Go ahead and fill in your comment. Let us know if you have some ideas, something we forgot to include or some other cool thing you think that would benefit listeners. We'd, we'll be happy to read it. Any show? Like they want to come in and talk to us about the new Car Talk episode? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Okay, we'll do Anything. it. Anything. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. See ya.